On tonight's program, ladies and gentlemen, we have something that's going to make you sick. Thank you so much, Ms. Powell, for being here with me today. Um, I would love if you could just share a little, little bit about yourself and who you are as an individual. Well, honestly, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's always fun to be on another rowing podcast and just talk about rowing because that's what we love to do here. So um, again, like you may have said, I'm Whitney Powell. Also, um, some know me as the Candid Cox. Uh, because I love to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to coxing and rowing, because there's a lot of all three. So um, very basically, I started coxing a long time ago at Orange Coast College and moved on to Loyola Marymount and have since then coxed for clubs all over the place, um, composite clubs, uh, River City Rowing Club, um, you know, Pocock, uh, you name it. We've been there, composite boats together, um, national team composite boats. Um, and then I guess most recently, I spent a year at Leander. So I was coxing the men out at Leander in the UK. And uh, that was a lot of fun. We traveled around and, you know, raced uh, the German eight and other national teams. And um, I also have my own club uh, called Seven Seas Rowing Club which um, we won our first race uh, in Amsterdam at the Holland Becker um, with each seat represented by a different country. So that was kind of the kickstart of my club. Um, and that was a lot of fun. So we have since gone to Henley and I definitely have plans for 2022 post COVID. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, was also a trialist for the national team. So I spent some time up in Oakland with the guys. Um, I've coxed a lot of the past guys at the Charles and other races, and that's a ton of fun. So, you know, I get in boats whenever I can and, you know, just have a good time and try to win races. So there we go. It's a lot like me, honestly. <laughs> it sounds a lot like me. If I get a chance to be in a boat, I want to be in that boat somehow. Um, now, do you think that the family aspect of rowing and the legacy of this sport. Do you think that there's any hope for the future of U.S. rowing in terms of, of this sport? And what do you see this sport looking like in the next 10 years? Ooh. That's a really good question. Um, big question. Um, it's already evolving. Um, they're trying to get more eyes on it events are being cut out of the Olympics each cycle. Um, obviously lightweights were first, more lightweights will go. Uh, actually they're, they're keeping a lightweight boat for Paris, um, but they will go after that and they're adding coastal rowing. Um, the next Olympics will be 1500 meters instead of a 2K. And- But guess what that is? That's in California, baby, Long Beach. Right up the street for me. Right I, was the street. <laughs> I was just there yesterday. I was just there yesterday. I love that yeah. course. It's a nice, it's a nice course. Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. And you know, they've been talking for years about um, you know, moving PCH, like moving the bridge. How can we make it a 2K course? Because it's way better than Paris that they had. There's all kinds of drama and stuff that was going on with Lake Paris and you know, some people out here. This is all local rowing gossip, but um Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, but long story short, yeah, it's going to be in Long Beach, but it is evolving. You know, here we go. 1500 meters. We're changing hundreds of years of tradition already to fit a course, adding coastal rowing, which is not typical rowing. So um, as the number of athletes overall comes down for the allotments for the Olympics, um, rowing will be cut even more because it's not as popular as something like swimming. And they're also adding sports like skateboarding. Yeah, so, yeah, so the, the number of slots available for rowing is even going down. So I think as those numbers go down, they're trying to keep it relevant and yeah. they're doing whatever they know how to do to do that. I don't know that making it 1500 meters is the answer. I, I kind of don't like it yeah. personally. This um, it doesn't seem right. Honestly, it, it changed the sport. Yeah. I mean, it's a different, it's, it's not a two kit, you know, that's, it's not the sport. <laughs> You're missing a whole so, fourth of the sport, like a whole fourth of that piece. That's like, has like, ruined, <laughs> it's really ruined scores and reputations for history. So there's going to be definite cons to that. And you think it's hard to find natural coxswains because sure, honestly, I feel like I've always been a coxswain, but I recently just found rowing. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the learning curve is very different and I think you have to find people that are interested in, in coxing that already have certain abilities and interests. There are some things you can't teach. What are those? And some things you can. What are those though? What are those what are those things that you think that's going to make that natural leader like mentality of a coxswain? What are those to you? Because I have yeah. a couple, but I want to know your take on that. Yeah, absolutely. And this is kind of just thinking off the top of my head here, because I, I think there's a few, but I think um, a willingness to be coached, but also have initiative. So I think you you have to be somebody that is not so passive that they're waiting to be told what to do all the time. They're going to be a student of the sport. They're going to ask questions. They're going to learn about rowing. They're going to get in a boat and row. They're going to really take the initiative to be the best leader that they can be, you know, whether it's reading books, whether it's studying the sport. Um, you know, I was like, I was telling you the other day, um, you know, I still ask to go on launches with coaches anytime I'm around a program. I asked to get in a boat. I was out in Florida, um, you know, not too long ago. And I was like, can I get in your boat? It was like the central Florida team, you know, and I love those guys. So, you know, I, and I was like, can I just get in your boat, please? Like, I just like, I can't watch this anymore. I, I shouldn't say this. <laughs> I, I had some things I really wanted to change myself. And I was like, look, can I just get in there? Yeah, exactly. Just fix it myself. Can I make this happen? And they did. They let me. And it was so fun. So anytime that I have an opportunity to learn something from another coach or get in a boat and hear something told to me a different way by a stroke seat or a different a, a, a team that does something in a different way, whether it's changing through pairs or calling a start or there, there's an endless amount of information to learn. And I think coxswains need to be proactive in that way. Um, the other thing I think you have to do is be a little bit hard. I mean, you can't take things personally all the time. It's, it's very easy to be pushed around, to be bullied, 
in a way. Um, you know, I get a lot of questions and calls from coxswains where they're like, I just feel like I get in a boat, I'm losing my self-confidence really fast. Yeah. And I'm just getting, you know, my guys are starting to talk more or girls are starting to talk more in the boat. They're talking back to me. They're, yeah. they're talking to the coach behind my back and saying that I'm terrible. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just hearing about it secondhand. Like nobody's coming to me and telling me in my face, but exactly. you know, I'm not like, I'm getting ostracized mm-hmm. from the team. And that's also a really difficult place to be because coxswains are in the middle. Frankly, you are a coach, but you're also a teammate. And so walking that fine line can be tough. It's really tough. You know, how do you maintain a sense of air and mystery in a way that you're a leader that they still respect, but you can also go hang out with them at a barbecue later and just let loose and just talk to them about life and friends and, you know, be a normal teammate. So there, there are a lot of lines to walk as a coxswain. And I think you have to be somebody who's very adaptable and able to do that. And then when the criticism comes, you can't take it too personally because at the end of the day, they're just out of breath, tired, and they're not thinking with this, <laughs> you know, they're, they're yeah. you know, so they're oxygen deprived and they're just trying to get a job done. And if you all have the same goal, I think it makes it a lot easier. You were saying, you were saying earlier in our previous conversation that if one person in that boat has a really bad vibe, the whole boat is going to be at a deficit. Explain to me sometimes, or, or at least a time in, in your coxing career that you've witnessed or experienced that and how that has really changed the course of that day. But what did you do as a coxswain being that leader to actually change and like shift that entire atmosphere in that boat and make that boat go fast? Yeah. I mean, that's happened tons of times. Um, sometimes you just have those days, you know, where everything's going wrong or you just, things aren't clicking or, you know, um, you do this long enough and you're going to have a lot of those days. So I think, um, you know, in my situations, uh, I think the first thing to do is to not argue or fight back. And you just have to tell them. And again, it depends on the situation, like what they're saying and what they're doing. I mean, I've had some pretty bad outbursts, you know, out on the water, guys that have just had it not necessarily at me just in general like the boat is just not working and they just have a meltdown you Mm -hmm. know and in that case um I stop everything I'm like stop stop way enough cut this out you know we can't this is spiraling out of control you sit down you shut up you turn around everyone take a breath we can talk about this when we get on the water for now, let's pick it up on the paddle and I'll try to walk them through, you know, again, depends on the workout. Every situation is very different, but I usually try to just regain the focus and, um, basically just restart like how, because you're stuck out there. You can't, you can't just have somebody stomping off, you know, (laughs) like you're stuck in a boat together. So I say, look, okay. Remember what you want to say. I want to hear what you have to say. I value it. Save it for land. I want to hear about it later. Let's talk about it. And so we'll just say, okay, fine. Let's finish the piece, finish the workout, whatever it is. And then we'll sit down after practice. And I want to hear about it. Okay. Tell me, you know, what could I have done to maybe help you in that situation as a leader in a coxswain? What could you have done better? And is there something else going on? 
Cause sometimes you gotta be honest, like there's stuff going on in their lives that they're just frustrated about. And it, it comes out in the boat, you know, if something's not going well. And so I think if you talk to them and empathize with them and make them feel heard, it's likely to dissipate a lot of the problems. So if you just start fighting back and saying like, shut up, you're not, you know, shut up, don't talk to me, coach, blah, blah, blah. All you're doing is bickering and fighting and getting nowhere. So I think the problem worse, it makes the problem worse. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. I think you need to make them feel heard and then be open to whatever they have to say. If they come back and say like, look, you're, you're not calling this the way that I want you to call it, or you're not doing this, you know, if they're frustrated at you just say, okay, you know, that's remember I have eight guys to please here. Um, (laughs) you know what? Yeah. You know, and what, you know, what's your idea? I want your feedback and input. Let me take some notes and, you know, we'll, we'll next training session, we'll make a change, you know, let's give it a try. And then another tactic that I use too, with guys that are, um, maybe, and I I keep saying guys because I cox men. So I typically, you know, but this could be women too. This happens in every boat that, you know, people cox. Um, I think giving them a special job is -hmm. really key. So if you have somebody that you tend to clash with in the boat, pull them aside and say something like, look, I know you get really frustrated when like this happens or when I have to make this call because the rest of the boat really likes it or really wants it or, you know, whatever's not working, address it and just get it out there. You know, talk about the elephant in the room and then tell that person, like, could you, you know, can I give you a special call or can you give me a special cue in the boat, um, a word, a call, say something to me that indicates where your head is at, what you're thinking um, and what you need at the time. And I'll make that call for you. You know, let's, let's work together on this. Like you tell me if you're seeing something from the bow that maybe I'm not seeing, give me that cue. And like you and I will have each other's backs, you know, bow to stern. And well, so you kind of create a special job for them and a special connection it's with like that person. <laughs> yeah. That's giving you trouble and like, give them, give them a task. Yeah. So that helps too. That's my long, my long version. <laughs> Sorry. I went on for a long time there, but those are things that, that tend to work for me because of course I've had those problems. So, well, what you said there. was, what you said was honest, was, was what you feel. And I think that's good to know. And it's good to share with people that, cause I can definitely relate to that more than, more than, you know, you were talking about self-confidence. How do you teach a coxswain to just not give a crap and to just kind of have it just go right over their head. Like, I think, I think there's a balance because at some point you do care. Yeah. Um, you know, I, we've all been part of teams. I mean, you do this long enough, you're going to be part of teams or have coaches in some way that just are that way. And that doesn't even say anything about you. It kind of says more about them, Yep. honestly. And there comes a point where, you can let it roll off your back a little bit. You can take it, but I think only for so long before you either have to say something or you can't put up with it anymore because there's no reason to be abused. And there, and I will say that I have absolutely had coaches that do that, that were pretty terrible to me. 
Um, that's definitely not that a good feeling to know and to hear. Yeah, it's it's really not. I mean, it made like I've never been so close to quitting rowing in my entire life than when I was under this coach. And it was just, I mean, the things that you know he would try to tell me. Like I was out rowing at. Uh, I mean, this was during college. Um, was out rowing, you know, at Penn AC. I was training with guys that were going to the national team, and you know, I was getting some of the best training in the country, you know, I left, I gave up, you know, six months to go move out there to Philly and go train with these people and would come back. And this coach would, you know, try to tell me how to do all these things. And, and it was like wrong. (laughs) I was like, it's not even like, it's not even how, you know, like I respect him. I respect him because he's the coach. He's, you know, I'm going to do what the coach asked me to do, but you know, we'd have these like, three hour practices on Saturdays and each one was like miserable. And then we'd have to hang out together on Sundays. It was, I mean, just the requirements and the things were just impossible to keep up with. And, you know, just like made it so difficult. So, um, plus the bullying on the water and the constant, you know, like yelling at, you know, at me because I didn't call it on the, I called it on the third stroke and not the fifth stroke. And it's like, give me a break. Like, yeah, come on. You know, and that kind of stuff just wears on you when it's, when it's that constant. hundred percent. I was in my junior years. I never had, I was only pretty much the only coxswain, honestly, even out in the water. So it was pretty much just me, the one that was getting like the, like getting yelled at. But my coach was just like, he's a very, very, very good man. Like he's not about like that lifestyle where he's like giving you crap for doing things like he'll like he'll like tell you like straight up and be honest with you and like say, this is what you need to do to improve. And that's like a good coach, in my opinion, you know, of course, sometimes loses temper a little bit, but I mean, that is what it is. I mean, you're humans. Um, and I do too, as a coach, you know, that's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. So, but yeah, um, I think, I think those, um, those coaches that understand that coxswains have an extremely steep learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, are much better coaches to coxswains, which makes them better coaches to the rowers. It, it helps everybody. Everybody wins when a coxswain is taken care of and coached. Everybody Preach. wins. Preach. You know, the it's, people are back. Preach. There's, there's no downside to taking time to coaching coxswains. And coxswains don't get coached because a lot of coaches were rowers. They weren't coxswains. Amen. A lot are. There are some. But, you know, they don't know what it's like. They don't know how to coach a coxswain. They know how to tell a coxswain what they want to happen. But a coxswain, especially a new one, doesn't know how to do that. Yeah, I know. You know, we're, we are not taught how to do that. We have to figure it out. The whole language. It's a different language. It's like learning Spanish when you're like speaking English your entire life. It's like, it's like, excuse me. Like, what does way enough mean? My, my coach, one of my coaches on my junior team, he's from Greece. And he goes, what is this way enough, way enough stuff? We just say stop. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I mean, that's what, that's what they do. Like in Germany too, it's Ruderhalt, <laughs> like Ruderhalt. It's like, just stop, you know, literally it's that's crazy. It. You know, in, in the UK too, it's the, it's the same way. You don't say like into one on this one. It's like, you know, I don't know, five and six in stroke pair out, go. You know, yeah. like, it's like very few words, it's like yeah, I just know. make it happen. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like drawn out but nobody teaches you that you know you have to figure it out and you have to figure out like how to call a race nobody teaches you how to call a race (laughs) like that's an art I mean that takes years to perfect and like no one sits down 
and says like, here's why you do what you do. Here's, here's how you say this. Here's like, you know, you, you have to just screw up a bunch of times, you know? So it's tough. It's really tough. And a lot of people who are only rowers don't empathize with that. They know what they want to happen. You know, they know what to ask for, but they just think it's going to magically translate and you're just going to make it happen. And that's just, that's not the reality of coxing. Well, I think honestly, like we've talked about a lot of good stuff today. Um, just wanted to say thank you for having, for, you know, taking the time to be here with me. Um, of course. I, uh, I know I, I, I believe I have commented on a lot of your Instagram stories and, and trying to ask questions. <laughs> and I just wanted to say thank you so much for just taking the time to be here with me and just talking about some of that we both love in more than, the, more than anything, honestly. I mean, I don't know if Aww. I'm speaking for yourself, but thank you so yeah. much for honestly, like coxing changed my life. It is something that I'm very blessed to be a part of the, the coxing community and to be a part of rowing. Um, and I'm looking forward to future endeavors where I get a chance to actually meet you in person and to just to talk more about coxing and to bring more coxins into our sphere. We have things coming. Exactly. Well, thanks again for tuning into this episode of Four Stars Podcast. I'm your host, Hudson Forster, and we'll see you soon.